Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. So some of you would have heard of sabbaticals, some of you will be hearing that and going, what on earth is that? So I'm going to give you a little bit of a framework for that so that you actually know what is going on with your leaders at the moment and, uh, and what that is. There's an invitation actually in there, I think, for all of us. So my sabbatical part one, I've been in a little spot up north, uh, hiding away in Tutakaka, and, uh, and I'm going to give you a taste of what that has been like, Okay. Lots of that. Lots of learning how to go slower, deliberately, moving more slowly. Learning how to step into a lot of silence. It's been me and my dog. She's been my buddy. With some friends and family visiting on weekends and and things like that, which has been like this wonderful balance of time alone with God and with myself Just in nature and creation, we sang about this morning how God hides himself in creation, and we meet him there, as well as the beauty of being able to be with people that I love and that love me. I've been meeting new people, because I figure if we're going to be up there off and on over the next few months, then I should get to know the neighbours and other people in the community, which has led to some really God moments, uh, encounters with people where they end up telling me all these things about themselves that halfway through they're like, I don't know why I'm telling you all of this. On the inside I'm going, I think God might be up to something. It's been wonderful. I've been getting to listen to some podcasts, which um, I I have friends that somehow in the normal rhythm of their lives seem to be able to have lots of time for listening to podcasts. I've never quite nailed it. So I've been making the most of time with that. I've done some online retreats. I've been reading on practicing life-giving rhythms of solitude and of silence and of simplicity and of slowing, of Sabbath, and I'm trying to learn how to put those more and more into practice. And I want to share some of that with you because it's actually, I've, I've grown up, I came to faith actually at Easter when I was about 19 years old. So Easter's like one of, an Easter camp is part of my story, and uh But in all those years, I haven't actually been in circles where things like these kinds of practices have been talked about very much, Uh, let alone having having models of where I could talk to people who were well-versed in these things. So here I am, 30-odd years later of following Jesus and trying to learn how to step into some, some of these rhythms that, you know, as I read Scripture and as I look at how Jesus lived his life and as I look at early church mothers and fathers and people that I admire in faith, they have these things woven through the rhythm of their life. And so I figure, you know, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. So I need to actually apply myself to some of these things. This whole thing of sabbatical is rooted in the Jewish tradition of Sabbath, 
Now, Sabbath, if we look at the Ten Commandments that Moses was given by God for the people of Israel way back in Exodus, in the early part of the Bible, the fourth commandment is this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant. I don't have any of those. Um, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There's this rhythm that God ordained, that he modeled for us, of work, creation, and rest. We, in our culture, are really pretty expert at work. Really good. Like, we all have, forget bachelors, man, we're like PhD level of busy and on the go and noise and activity and distraction and go, 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 go. Anyone else ever experienced that? We're real good at that. Not so good at the rest. And learning how to go quietly. John Mark Comer, who is a pastor and a writer that I love, um, I've been listening, I've read his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and I was listening to some podcasts while I was away, just sort of unpacking some of that more fully. And he um, kind of unpacks this whole idea of Sabbath, sort of thinking about it in a contemporary way like this. So here's a quick theology of Sabbath. In most translation of the Bible, the word Shabbat is translated to stop, or to rest, or to delight, or to worship. And that's basically the four full movement movements of Sabbath right there. We stop. We stop working. And that's not just the work that we get paid for. It's the work in general. Every parent in the room is going, really? Didn't say it was going to be easy, but it could be worth it. So we stop That's the difference between a day off and a Sabbath day off. We stop worrying. It's a day to just set all of our anxieties aside. We stop wanting. There's no buying, selling, or shopping because it's a day to celebrate what we have rather than wrestling with what we don't have. So we stop. There's rest. Sleep is like the first foundation for Sabbath. As I've been dabbling in this, I've been sleeping a bunch. Delight. Then there's delighting. Psychologists have this pleasure principle idea where if we have a a birthday or an anniversary, we stack like five or six of our favorite things into the day and make it like the most epic day ever, don't we? It's like we eat our favorite food, we get together with our favorite people, we do the kinds of things that just bring us joy and fill our tanks. Imagine if we could do that more than once a year. Imagine if Sabbath could be filled with those kinds of things every week. Every week. Pleasure stacking, it's called. It's a way of recognizing God's goodness and love in our lives. Then there's worship. The last movement of worship is worship. It's not just a day to veg out and watch The Crown on Netflix. It's a day to orient our whole being back to God. We stop, 
we rest, we delight, and we worship. And sabbatical is an extended Sabbath. It's learning how to do those things over an extended period of time. It's based on a biblical principle of a seven-year cycle, which you can read about in Scripture, where every seven years God called his people to to leave the ground fallow, to not plant crops, to not harvest, just to leave the ground. And it it was a year of jubilee, but it was also a year of profound trust where you were trusting that God was going to give you a good return so you could carry on living. These were people reliant on what they were being able to produce. So the same applies to us, right? Is that there's this time, and I've got to tell you, with, this, with sabbatical, we had this awesome plan for our sabbatical last year. It was epic. We were going to start in northern Italy for our cousin's 50th birthday, right around the time that there was this nasty little bug breaking out. And from there, we were going to have time with friends, with family, our daughter and son-in-law in in London. We were going to have a month with them. We were going to go and get um, to stay in beautiful places, eat our favorite food, uh, go to some conferences where we know that would just like stir our hearts and our, you know, thinking towards more of God. We were going to do all of that. So we had this great plan. This year, it's more like an improv Because, you know, we still have that COVID reality messing with our plans. Sabbatical isn't so much a holiday. It's not a time for us to pick up extra study. It's not a time that either one of us is going to try and write a book. It's not, you know, for us to go to like a whole lot of conferences on how to be better leaders or to how to grow the church or any of that. It's for us to learn how to step into new rhythms of life with God. It creates space to be with ourselves, to be with each other, and to be with God in ways that he will invite us into. That's what we're counting on. You know, our our prayerful intention is that as we spend time with Jesus, that we will have space to rest, to just just be present. Anyone um, kind of wired in such a way that you, you like, you're a forward thinker, like you're always thinking about what's coming. Yeah. Me too. So present, learning how to be present for me is actually a spiritual discipline. To actually just turn off, I have to keep catching myself. That little moment of silence that we had, I've, you know, I noticed as I've been reading more about some of these, you know, stepping into these practices, uh, I get all fidgety. Like it, it takes a while to settle in. Honestly, I've been up there for four weeks. It's taken probably three just to begin to feel like, Okay, okay, I'm good. I'm good with this. There's this fidgety thing. We're restless. My mind is restless. Anyone? Am I the only one? There's some nods. Good. Oh, good. Um, You know, like, so actually learning how to just be present, how to just, to be still, is, is a spiritual practice. To reflect. There are moments to look back. I don't look back terribly often. My spiritual director and counselors in the past helped me to reflect, to look for the movements of God, to notice where He's been at work in my day, in my week, in my month. And it's going to create space for us also to refocus as we think ahead on what God thinks is most important for us personally, for our marriage, for our family, for our church whānau. And so, 
we're taking Jesus up on his invitation. And we are, I just have to say, we are really deeply grateful to our management team who have built this into our job descriptions, is that we take this every seven years. It's ended up being eight just because of, you know, stuff last year. But we, we know that not everyone gets the opportunity to do this, and, make, and we are profoundly grateful. And so huge thanks to our management team and to our team, our staff team, who are going to be continuing to keep everything running, to be caring for you, to be leading, you know, and following God uh, through that time. But, but I think there's an invitation for all of us. I know that you can't all just stop work for the next few months and come join us. But as I was thinking about, Lord, what is it you want me to say today? I actually felt like this is a good thing to put in front of you because I wonder if the invitation of God isn't just for us. I wonder if the invitation is for each one of us to take Jesus up on his invitation where he says in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, he says, are you tired? Are you worn out, possibly burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Does that sound good to like anybody in the room? Like I read those words and there's this, like my heart just longs for this. And it's not that I'm, you know, in this terrible space or, you know, completely worn out. I am, I am weary. But, you know, we, we can keep going. You know how it is. You sort of just dig deep, take a deep breath, let's keep going. You know, like we did, all of us did that last year. <laughs> like we know we can. But as I read this, every time I have always read this, it's just like, ah, oh, that just sounds so good. I want to learn how to live freely and lightly. I want to learn how to walk with you and see how you do it. And that becomes my way of doing life. Walter Brueggemann in his book, Sabbath is Resistance, says this, Sabbath is not simply the pause that refreshes. It is the pause that transforms. And I, I guess I, I wonder if the invitation is not just for Matt and I to learn how to pause in this moment, but for all of us to learn. Is there, are there moments in our week where we could pause to come away with Jesus? To, to go a little slower. I, I was, um, I watched a short message from a pastor uh, down country and he had a metronome. It was just, he, he did this about two weeks ago and it just captured the sense of this so much. Do you know metronomes, any musicians? It's the tick, 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 tick thing that helps you to keep time when you're playing piano and all that, especially if you're learning how to play an instrument. It helps you keep time. And you can set it to all different speeds. And so, Often the way that we live, the metronome is going tick, 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 tick. And he just had this thing going. And honestly, the longer it's going, the more agitated you feel. <sighs> you know, your heart rate's kind of going, your blood pressure's coming up, and you're just like, oh. We kind of live there a lot of the time. The only way that we're going to be able to grab these spaces of 
of just being slower, of going more quietly, is if we decide to pursue them. They won't just come our way. Last year with planning the sabbatical, it's like in terms of where the church was at, where we were at, everything, it just felt like this is the perfect timing, like everything was ready to go, the plan was there, it was brilliant. This year, honestly, it has felt like, when do we go? Like, it just doesn't feel like the right time, any time. There's just too much going on. We've got new staff coming on. We've got other staff moving on to have babies. We've got, you know, like, there's just all this activity and life going on. And it wasn't like things were dead last year, but it just felt like there was a window of time. This year has felt harder to find that. And because of that constant threat of, you know, COVID disruption, you're just kind of feeling like we're going to be super wise about how we do this. It just never felt quite so free, you know, as it did last year. But I think that's kind of how we live, isn't it? Like this sort of never feels like the right time. Like if I look at my week, if I sat down this afternoon, pulled out the calendar and looked at the week to come, probably like most of you, we've got just a bunch of stuff already booked in. Not even counting, just, you know, doing the washing, feeding the cat, you know, keeping our families fed, food in the house, all, all the stuff, mow, mow the lawns, you know. It, it does, it's like, where, where do I find the time? It actually comes out of us having to decide, sit down actually with our calendars and put in an appointment with a reminder or five for this time to intentionally get that metronome Turn the speed right down to tick, 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 tick. Maybe there's a nudge or an invitation for you this morning to be able to step into some of that for yourselves. And certainly, you know, we would love your prayer prayer for us, prayer for the team, prayer for God's protection and provision over the church over this time, because we, we are stepping into this really out of a sense of obedience and, and actually profound gratitude. And that's what the Sabbath actually is. It's a gift to us. That's why God put it in the mix, rest and work. It's the gift of refreshing of being with him, of being filled up, that all of the rest of our week would would flow out of this place of rest with him. Now, please don't hear me talking about Sabbath and think, oh, well, she's got this all worked out. I so do not. For many people in Christian, Sabbath in the Jewish tradition starts on uh, just before sundown on Friday night, finishes just before sundown Saturday night. Within Christian traditions, it tends to be Sunday because for most people, you know, that has traditionally not been a work day. For anyone that works in a church, this is a work day, so Sabbath doesn't happen on Sunday. So then you've got to try to figure out, how, you know, just like you, it's like, how do we do this? How do we make this work? But honestly, it's one of those things I feel like God's just had on my radar for the last few years. I've dabbled in trying to put it in place, profoundly unsuccessful thus far, but it is one of the things that he just keeps pulling me back to. And so as we go on sabbatical, it's, it's with a sense of, Lord, help me to figure out new rhythms. This is an opportunity, really, for us to try to figure out and respond to God's invitations for new rhythms of how we do life. And I don't think that's just for us. You know, we met a guy this week, uh, just I bought something on Trade Me, picked it up, and you know how sometimes Matt was like, okay, we're in, we're out, we're off to go see my parents. 
And then he took me. And it's like, oh, hi, how are you going? You know, oh, you're selling everything. Oh, wow, okay, what are you doing? And then the next thing, he's telling us his whole life, you know. Um, and, uh, and once again, Matt gets in the car. He's like, how does that happen? You know, every time we go anywhere. I'm like, well, I want to listen. Here's one of the things from being on sabbatical is just learning how to be present. Just to be present. If I want to talk, I'll listen. Because I think God, you know, God's in that. And uh, anyway, he was saying just the combination of turning 50, all of the disruption of the last 12 months, he's just like rethought his whole life and he's sold their house, he's quit his job and they're going to, they bought a boat and they're going to go to Sydney, pick it up and then for the next few years start sailing around on a boat. Because that's what you do, right? Not, no, but, but there's this sense of, as I've talked to different people, one of the opportunities that COVID has created for us is actually for us to can reconsider. What are my rhythms of life? How are we doing life in our family or for me as an individual? Is that leading me more and more towards what I think God is calling and inviting me into? Or is it just unsustainable? And if it's unsustainable, maybe this is an opportunity to reconsider, to spend time listening to him and watching him show us another way. And perhaps some of the rhythms of Sabbath are part of that. You know, one of the things, even though we are, you know, able in this kind of whole season to be able to rethink, you know, the way forward, uh, we've got a few constants that sort of sit all the time in our lives as followers of Jesus. And one of those is, is filling myself up with Scripture, mostly on a daily basis. I'd be lying if it's every single day, but I do catch up over a few days. But... Um, it's actually something I've always struggled with. I've been rubbish at it, and that's terrible because you're like you're a Christian, and then you're a, like a pastor. You're supposed to be really good at this, but it's actually a thing I've had to really, really work at. And uh, but over this last sort of four or five weeks, if you've been doing the New Testament reading plan that we are doing as a church, some of you might be sitting there going, "We're doing a, re- a reading plan. I've never heard of this." It's, you can get all the resources for it on our website under the Grow. Um, I should have taken a picture, but I didn't. Um, go to the Grow tab on the website. There's resources there, and there's a Bible reading plan. And we have been working through that for, like, a, we started in June, I think, last year, and it's taken us through the New Testament. And in this last month, we have been powering through the books, haven't we, those of you who are doing it? We've gone through 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and First and Second Thessalonians. We just started Timothy today. So there have been lots of famous last words, because I know that you guys have been going through this series here. And I've been sort of paying attention, because... You know, it's like, okay, Lord, well, if we're doing the series at the moment, what is it that is coming up? And these are words not just for us to mentally agree with. It's the same as this idea of Sabbath and sabbatical and rhythms of life. These are not just good ideas that we go, oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, brilliant. And then just carry on. Scripture is actually there to get inside us and change us and change how we live. These are words to live by. These are words to be immersed in, not to just skim over. I don't think I will be the only person here to admit to, when you have a Bible reading plan, to just be powering through your reading plan. 
and loving the fact that you can tick at the end. And then it's like, because of the app that we're using, it has this whole, ta-da, this is day such and such of 365. I'm like, woo, you know. And I missed the whole point of everything I've just read. Because I'm sort of focused on the to-do, the getting it done thing, you know, instead of the, let's just linger. What is it that God is actually catching my attention with? And I have to say, because we've been doing famous last words, I've gone back and reread, particularly those last chapters of each of those letters, and trying to be attentive to the things that stand out to me. Because these are words that I want to be shaped by. I want to be formed by, that inform and inform my character, my relationship with God and with people, my thoughts, my attitudes, my behavior and actions. That is what immersing ourselves in Scripture can be for us. Paul's last words to the church in Philippi are as good for us as it was for them. In Philippians 4 verses 8 to 9, he says this, summing it all up, friends, famous last words, you know, summing, I'd say that you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse, and then put into practice what you learn from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. That's the message translation. But I just loved the beauty of that and the mystery of it. Because there is a little bit of mystery in this thing. But these are words that when God gets his hands on them, by the power of the Holy Spirit, change us. Paul's admonition, his encouragement, his call to us as we read his words is to take them to heart, is to put them into practice, to live them, and to be changed by them as we do. And that means that for many of us with a Western perspective, I know that not all of you have that, you come from different cultures, which this may not be quite such an issue for you, but for many of us who have been educated within a Western educational um, approach, We read for information. It's what we've been trained to do. We read with our head rather than being in formation. That what we read can form us. And yet Paul knew this when he says, fill your minds with whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. It's that the reason we need to fill ourselves up with those things, which is not just found in Scripture. It's found in creation, it's found at work, it's found in the lives of the people that we do life with. All of that forms us. So for all of us, there's this sense of, what am I filling myself up with? Who am I being formed to be? And whose image am I being formed? I, for one, honestly, I want to be formed in the image of Jesus. That's what I decided when I was 19 years old. I've been trying to work that out for the last 30-something years. (laughs) Don't need to tell you everything. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, like, it's a process. We are being transformed. That's a verb. It's active. But we have a part to play. By by just coming and, and making that time, deciding, 
I'm going to, and I literally, I have it in my calendar every single day that that's where I start the day. As I go, I sit, I've got the Bible reading plan and I have the Lectio 365 app. Those are the two things I do every morning. And the cool thing is, Lectio 365 have just brought out an evening prayer as well. So we get to bookend our day with these beautiful prayers and scripture. It's just awesome. But, you know, that's, that's where my part comes into play, my choice, to actually create rhythms where I am turning up and I am trying as best I can to put my to-do list and my reading only in for information to the side and allow God to meet with me there and to change me as I meet him. It's, it's an occupational hazard as a pastor that you can get into the habit of reading scripture purely for your next sermon or because I'm meeting with somebody and, you know, like, you, what, God, what, what word would you have for them, you know, that I can bring? You know, like, it's just as much a challenge for anyone that is pastoring as it is for everybody else that all of us can slide into this thing of just reading scripture for information. And for, for those of us that have that kind of Western inclination to read only with our heads, let's think about it as switching from like our approach of reading the newspaper, which is information, to when we would read a love letter. It's a whole different reading style. We read with our heart. We read with a longing to connect with the writer. With, we read slow. We savour the words. We take them to heart and hold them close. We reread. Matt used to, back in the days before internet, when we were courting, my kids think this is hilarious. Remember those of you who are slightly older, um, when it was cheaper to make phone calls after 10 o'clock? Yeah, we would start our talking at 10 o'clock and go through till 12 or 1, you know, whatever. It's only uni the next day. Um, and we would write letters. I've still got them somewhere. But like, and, and I, but I didn't just read them once. I read them over and over and over again because I was falling in love with this guy. That's how we can, like just a good reference point for us, right, as we're reading. Because I, I just fall into that informational mode way too easy. It's like I've really got to work on uh, reading it with the heart, reading for relationship. I'm just looking at time. We've got a resource for you on the website that goes with our Bible reading plan. It's called Bread. And it is a rhythm. If this is all new to you, if you're sort of listening to this, or even if it's not new, but you just find yourself, it's like, oh, I kind of feel like I've lost my appetite for God's word. It's all become a bit dry and a bit hard. And, you know, it's just I've kind of slid away from filling myself up there. It might help. It's based on the practice of Lectio Divina. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton, who is a spiritual director, she describes Lectio Divina as rooted in the belief that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures are indeed alive and active as we engage them for spiritual transformation. It's leaning into that verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active, 
sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It does more than judge. It also shows us another way. Our hearts move. Our longings change. Our imagination is captured and filled with whole other ways of being and living as we spend time encountering God in Scripture. So some of you, as you're listening to this, might feel like your heart is stirring, longing for more of God in that way. For others, it may feel completely overwhelming or an idea completely fraught with uncertainty or a sense of failure because it's like, I've done this, I've tried, I failed. You know, it's like, you know, as Stanley said right at the very beginning, no one is disqualified. We try and we fail over and over and over again. I am an expert. And I'm not just saying that to make you feel good. I genuinely am. I have tried and failed over and over and over again. I just keep turning up to try again. I think that's the only you know, thing that's helped. <laughs> that and the activity of the Holy Spirit in my life. And as I talk to other people who have been following Jesus for any length of time, they would say a similar thing. We just don't get it all the first time around. We'd love to ace it the first time, wouldn't we? But we just don't. So we practice. That's why you hear the word practice so many times. When Paul talks, when the early church fathers and mothers speak, they say practice. Spiritual disciplines, another word for that, spiritual practices. It's because we, you know, like it's something we learn, and you learn by practice. It's a, I, I had this picture come to mind as I was preparing. It kind of reminds me of... Um, a, de- a degustation dinner. Has anyone had one of those? We had our first one like years ago. We had this young couple in our church, Matt married them. You know what I mean. And, uh, and he was a chef. <laughs> Sounds weird when you say it out loud, but you know. He officiated at the wedding. Anyway, uh, as a thank you, um, Adrian, who was a chef, invited us to go to the restaurant where he was working in Parnell. <laughs> We couldn't afford restaurants in Parnell at the time, so it was quite a treat. Anyway, we turned up. He says, you're not ordering. I had no idea what a degustation menu thing was then. I didn't have a clue. He just said, "Um, I'm just going to bring food out to you, and I'll just keep bringing it as long as you can keep eating it. Well, we ate a lot. (laughs) Something like 14 courses later. Um, But here's some things that I learned. We didn't order off the menu. We just had to trust the chef. He, he would just come out, talk to us, how you feeling, you know, like, can, what can you eat, what can't you eat, all those sorts of things, what's in season, blah, 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 and he'd bring out the next thing. It's like you had no idea what was going to come out. They'd have to explain it. You know, they'd come out going, this is blah, 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 and you're like, okay then. We got to interact with the chef as he led us through this dinner. It was small amounts, just little bits, Just the only way I could fit 14 courses in, and thankfully I wore a dress. It took time. It took, like, it, it was a dinner that lasted all, like, we got there at like six or something. We didn't leave till they were closing. It was just hours of eating. Doesn't that sound awesome? As I think about it, I'm like, I need to do this again. Um, look, honestly, our job, short, just all we had to do was turn up, sit down, trust the chef, and delight in the whole experience. It's a little bit like that with Jesus. Imagine that our experience of God is a little bit like that, except that we have limitless appetite and limitless capacity for him because he grows those things. Where we turn up 
He invites us to the table. He is the one who chooses. Like as we're reading scripture, he will bring things to our attention. He'll catch our eye with just the right thing at just the right time. And then in conversation with him, he unpacks that with us, invites us to respond. We just take it in. We read small amounts, but go deeper. We linger. We revisit. We ponder. We trust the chef. And the interesting thing is, is that the more of God that we experience, the more we hunger for him, the more longing we have for him. You know, Psalm 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's the thing. It's like you do that. You take a taste. You get to know more of him. You experience more of him. And it just makes you want more of him. It's, I don't know anything else that happens like that. Bon, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm nearly done, promise. Ooh, I really am nearly done. This is what happens when you go away for a month. You've got a whole lot of words that you want to get out. Sorry. Uh, oh, well, you know me. Those of you who know me, you know me. <laughs> anyway, oh, I'm nearly done. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a German pastor and theologian uh, who died just before uh, the end of World War II. Uh, he says this, the word of scripture should never stop sounding in your ears and working in you all day long, just like the words of someone you love. And just as you do not analyze the words of someone you love, you accept them as they're said to you, accept the word of scripture and ponder it in your heart as Mary did. And that's all. Do not ask, how shall I pass this on? But what does it say to me? Then ponder this word long in your heart until it has gone right in you and taken possession of you. If you want to unpack any of the things I've talked about a bit more, let's just throw up a couple of slides with some resources. These are some books that are currently in my to read. You know, I've got a big pile, but these are some of them. Uh, as well as that bread guide that you could use with your reading plan if you want to join that, and a podcast called Fight, Hustle, and End Hurry. And they are just really helpful resources to begin to like think about some of these things a little more deeply. And the reason why I would love it if you would join me in doing that is because it's infectious. Our lives, as they are transformed spill over to everyone and everything we encounter in our lives. I want for us to become, I, this is, I want this for me, but I want this for us as a community of faith to be people formed by God through Scripture. That's what I long for. That hasn't changed. I've been away a month. I still feel the same way. Here was this wonderful thing that I read just this week. In the first two centuries of the church, it was not Christian worship that attracted outsiders. It was Christians that attracted them. Imagine that. Outsiders found Christians attractive because of their Christian habitus, which is this fancy word for formation, their way of being. That the way they were was so ingrained that it was second nature. That these were people that were formed by God and scripture was part of that. These were ordinary people, just like you and I, that took all of these words that were given them from Jesus, from Paul, from the apostles, from the early church mothers and fathers, and they lived them out, seeped themselves in it as best they knew how, and other people noticed. 
and they saw something that they wanted to taste and see for themselves. That's what I long for for us. The prayer for us, really, is that we would do the same and that people in our community, in our families, and in our neighborhoods are drawn to Jesus because of who they see us becoming through the transforming activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not like any of us have arrived. We never do. We never have this all figured out. We are never perfect. But we are changing. And that's good news. So our kids are going to join us in a minute. But before they do, would you stand? I just want to actually pray some of Paul's famous last words to the church in Thessaloniki. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. So just receive Paul's words as my prayer. So if you want to close your eyes, if you want to, you know, kind of have your hands out, allow God to fill you up, then do that. May God himself, the God of peace, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make us holy and whole. Put us together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep us fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who calls us is faithful, and he will do it. And so, Lord, we want to just surrender ourselves again before you this morning. As best we know how, wherever we are in our journey with you, we might feel like we're miles away from you, and some of us feel like you're like as close as the next breath. But you are present to us all. You are available to us all. You are faithful to us all and filled with love toward us all. And so I ask, Lord, that you would help us to receive the gift of your love again this morning. The gift of your freedom. The gift of your life. The life to the full that Jesus said he had on offer for us. So, Lord, I pray that you would come and you would fill us again as we go into this week. God, would you take the things that you've planted within us this morning and breathe life into them? Lord, help each one of us to bring to mind whatever it is that's kind of captured us this morning and respond to you about that as the week unfolds. We ask for your kingdom to come in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whanau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or, of course, we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.